Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Josh Belcher, host of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast, coming to you one year in to the bad boy. The 52nd episode, the one year anniversary, if you will. And it's been an absolute blast and a privilege for me uh, to have this outlet in my life. Uh, I love entertainment, I love music, I love uh, stand up comedy, uh, I love uh, people of interest, I love uh, the human condition. Um, I just love uh, learning, and this podcast has been a blessing for that. Um, so many people to thank. I'd like to thank Anchor, the Anchor app, first of all, for having a free outlet for a guy like me who's not very technically savvy to put some content uh, out into the stratosphere, and they put it all together for free. So thank you uh, to Anchor for that. Um, I need to thank Brian Mays of Nashville Publicity. Uh, he has made me famous um uh, <laughs> he has posted uh, i had that letter to the tiger king that most of you have uh, looked at viewed or listened to here on the podcast um from jail and it is everywhere coast to coast and all over the world so thank you to brian mays for being a uh, publicity genius I've, I've written it down but i've never said it but i will he is to publicity what michael jordan was to the bulls he is the first dance the last dance and every dance in between. He's your guy. So, Brian Mays, thank you. I'd like to thank stand-up comedian, the church comedian, Brandon Skelton, uh, for being my first uh, comic guest, and Sam Madewell uh, with the Cam Pierce Group Band, uh, or Cam Pierce Solo. I don't know what they call themselves right now, but uh, my first musical guest. We've had a ton of awesome guests, um, and I just there's so many... Uh, that I can't even really mention them. If you want to look them up, uh, feel free. They're, you know, All the podcasts are available, all 52 of them. Uh, today, we've got a special, special treat. We're, we're celebrating into the first year with an absolute bang. Um, we've got a tribute to Mark Sullivan Sr. Uh, he was a great human being, a great godly man who I had the privilege to know when I was a kid. Um, him, his sons, uh, Mark and John and Micah, Mark and John particularly, uh, our schoolmates with, haven't really seen either of them since eighth grade, but uh, great, outstanding human beings. Uh, I really enjoyed them both and talking to them about their dad who recently passed away. Uh, God rest his soul. If anybody got a ticket to heaven, I'm talking express lane, did not have to wait, uh, you know, five items or less, get in here. It was Mark Sullivan uh, Sr. We've also got um, Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on this podcast, Uncle Cy Robertson uh, from Duck Dynasty, and now he is a musician in his own right, um, touring the world with Cy and the Psychotics. Uh, got a great group there. And then, of course, thanks to uh, Brandon Skelton for co-hosting with me. And uh, it's just been a great year. Uh, very honored and privileged to get to do it. I love it with all my heart and soul. And couldn't do it without you listeners, and I really appreciate all of it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get off here and get on with the program because it makes me almost want to tear up. Uh, okay, so without further ado, uh, podcast time. Uh, we're gonna kick it off with uh, the tribute to Mark Sullivan Sr. with uh, two of his three sons, the Sullivan Boys, Mark and John. Fairview, Tennessee, represent three boys that you know grew up in and around Fairview, uh, paying tribute to a wonderful human being who made a great mark on this earth. So here we go, Josh Belcher, Uncharted Podcast. Friends, hey, first of all, John and Mark, it's been a thousand years since I've heard your voices. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you, man. For sure. Um, Anyway, uh, just uh, wanted to uh, just discuss your dad. I mean, haven't seen him in a while. One of the greatest humans I ever had the privilege of meeting. Uh, Mark, you wrote a great tribute to him on your Facebook. And, um, you know, the best way I know to celebrate somebody that was just that great of a human was to talk about him on this podcast. I brewed up. So I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time and let's, uh, you know, celebrate uh, Mark Sr., a great, great human being. I appreciate that. Yeah, Dad was dad was one of the best. Uh, to know Dad was to love Dad most of the time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. 
uh, he was, we, we talked about it in, in the service last week, but, and, and, you know, just, just, I guess since he's been sick and since he, since he passed, uh, he was, he was very stubborn. He was very willful. He was very hard headed. Uh, he liked things to be his way, whether his way was the right way or the wrong way. It was his way, and that's how he wanted it, you know. Mm-hmm. But because yeah. of that, he was just passionate about whatever it was. You know, the, the the reason he wanted it his way was because he was passionate about what he wanted done, whether it was building a house or, or coaching a baseball team or, um, you know, yeah, set, setting the tent up in the sand on the beach. <laughs> he wanted it done his way. Yeah. That, uh, um, you know, and I just remember, you know, from from childhood, just, uh, you know, like you said, he, he, and when you described it, I mean, d- describing excellence and everything, like he held he held you three kids to, you know, he expected so much out of you. And you guys produced, uh, you guys set the tone. And I always remember he was, you know, he was a gentle giant, you know, as a kid. And he was, you know, he he talked about anything and, um, you know, he taught me uh, this little light of mine at Vacation Bible School. Just, just all around, a great person. And uh, you know, I'm sorry about your loss. Was it, uh, was it abrupt? Like, uh, or did he have, um, did he have issues beforehand? Because like it seemed like it was just kind of happening all of a sudden. Yeah, he. Um, we we thought he was in pretty good health, Josh. He um, had just had soldier, shoulder surgery about eight weeks prior. And that was surgery on a torn bicep and a rotator cuff that he injured in Honduras building houses for uh, some of the mountain community there um, in in Honduras. And so he was healthy enough to go to Honduras and healthy enough to hurt himself while he was down there and then healthy enough to have shoulder surgery eight weeks before his heart attack. You know, Oh. Clearly, you don't get the kind of blockage that his arteries had in eight weeks, so some things were going on in diet that we didn't know about. But other than managing his diabetes with his diet, not even insulin, just his diet, um, he was he was a healthy man. So we were not expecting uh, we weren't expecting a heart attack, though it runs in our family, and we certainly weren't expecting to lose him over a heart attack uh, so quickly. Yeah. Man, it was uh, you know when I saw it, I was like, wow, what a what a guy, you know, and hadn't seen him in a long time, and just remember what a you know truly kind, awesome soul uh, he was. And if anybody got a ticket to the other side in the express lane, it was definitely you guys' dad. So uh, you know, no doubt in my mind. Josh, did you ever play? Did you ever? I don't remember. Did you ever play on any of his teams? Any of his baseball teams? I don't think I got to play on his teams, no. Uh, but I, I do, I do remember him uh, being out there doing his thing. But uh, you know, I, I know he was uh, he was a fierce competitor. I, I do, I do remember though. Uh, you know, his love for the Vols as well. I remember him and Bobby Cosman used to go at it constantly about Alabama and Tennessee getting after it. So I always remember that was pretty funny. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah Dad. Dad was a huge Tennessee fan. He took us to see several games. We also, we actually saw the last game Peyton played in Newland Stadium uh, against Vanderbilt. Uh, we watched him, we watched Peyton get up in the in the bandstand and conduct the team. Wow. Um, that was, that was a great, great memory. We were, we were down. We were basically on the field for that game. We were, we were, we had the best seats I've ever been in my life um, <laughs> for that game. Yeah. And, uh, that was just spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. I bet because I, I remember that scene very well. I mean, I wasn't there, but you know, watching on TV when he conducted, and, and you know, going down, uh, arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game in college and, and pros, in my opinion. I mean, you know, he won the Super Bowl with two different teams. So, and, and he's actually a great, fantastic um, actor slash commentator. Why he's not doing it either, I really don't have a clue, other than you know, a couple of stints on Saturday Night Live and things of that nature. Because he doesn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, at this point, anything that he does only damages his legacy. You know, he's he's <laughs> yeah. That's that's true. You called it there, but um, okay. Let me ask you this: the, the music talent, because I remember um, you know, you guys could play uh, you know, piano, and I remember Mark, you had the voice of a American Idol contestant. I mean, where where did the love of music come from within you guys' family? Well, I mean, we're we're Irish, Sullivan being Irish. Yeah. I know my dad 
dad was a singer. He 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 was always singing something, but you know, he he growing up in church, uh he would lead singing all the time. Um he was he, he just everywhere he goes he's singing, you know. My grandfather was a singer. My great grandfather I heard was one of the best tenors um you know, this in in this area. Uh I'd heard that years and years you know, b- before I was, uh, me and John were born, but um, I, I never heard a recording of him. I've always wanted to get a hold. Somebody said that there's a recording of him singing, um, but it, I don't know if it's lost. I don't know who has it, but I would love to hear my great-grandfather uh, sing. But, you know, it, it just goes back generations. Um, we would we would, we would would sing in church. We would sing at home. We would sing wherever we were. We would, you know, it, it was just part of part of who we were. Yeah. yeah, singing was important to the family. The, the church singing was always, you know, we our earliest years, Josh, were in a country church, Liberty Hill, Church of Christ was the name of it, and it was a real small church, and if everybody didn't sing, there was there was no singing. So whether you were good, bad, or somewhere in between, everybody had to sing. And mm-hmm. um, Dad always thought it was important for us to develop leadership skills early by standing up in front of the church, and everybody found out real quickly Mark had a real gift for that, and everybody found out real quickly that I had some shy tendencies and didn't necessarily uh, enjoy the spotlight. I got so choked up with so many of the more tender songs when I was younger that I couldn't I couldn't even sing them sitting down, much less get up and, and lead them. Uh, but my my musical love and gifts have really blossomed in the last two or three years. I I can sing, um, but not like not like Mark and you know the other family members that are that have come before us. I I play piano um, quite a bit and play piano for church, and I've done a little bit of recording stuff. But I'm I'm finding that love of music is is something that's that's pretty deep within me because. Most of the time I'm playing, I'm not looking at somebody's sheet music and doing what they did. I'm most of the time letting it come out of me to something that's kind of deep-welled inside of me. So, yeah, music has always been important to to the family. And I think in the service the other day where we honored Dad, I think it was pretty clear that singing and harmony and beautiful melodies and deep meaningful lyrics and old songs and new songs and songs with instruments and songs without instruments and everything in between was really important to our celebration, our grief. It was it's a part of our culture. Yeah. Being the fellow of a man. That's awesome. Now, yeah. Now now Josh, just just to chime in real quick, John's being a little bit humble. Uh he's got <clears throat> about the bass, the best bass singing voice uh, you'll ever hear in your life, and he's got That's a good awesome. range. But uh, that 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 bass voice, um, he's he's got a skill like like very 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 few have. It, it's very fun to sit next to if you're on a wooden cue. <laughs> it just it just rumbles. Right on. Well, what's stopping you guys from making an album? I mean, or at least an EP. Oh, you know, the, that's a that's a funny timed question. We we cut a track mark five weeks ago, not knowing anything about Dad. Six weeks ago, I was we were both bored from being in the house, coronavirus, and we were separated. And I've got a good um, workstation that does recording, and Mark has um, a good microphone, and we both got digital interfaces that worked with each other, and we just decided, hey, why not see what happens if I do my thing and send it to you and you do your thing and, and we put it together. And uh, so we we talked about several songs but settled on an old hymn that, you know, is really um, important to me and, and I think is becoming important to the family, the song Nearer My God to Be. It's the Titanic song that they played as the Titanic and the movie went down. Um, but um, the words are taken, um, and the words are just so rich. And um, 
I don't know, we, we decided together in a whim, let's try that one. And so I dropped a, a piano and kind of a synth strings track together and sent it to Mark and said, I don't know what you want to do with it, but just play around. And I think it wasn't an hour, hour and a half later, he had the first cut of it and it was, and it brought me to my knees. It was, it was, it was many tears over that and we hadn't even lost that. It was um, real strong, um, clear lead notes with harmony that's real tinny on top of it that is effortless for Mark and we put something together that both of us were more or less surprised that we could do it in a grand total of three and a half hours time. I mean, we didn't <laughs> have producers, we didn't have a studio, we we literally had a raw cut sent from free software to another interface with a raw cut put together and um, I don't know, there may be something like that in our future. Um, it, it, it was effortless and fun, and, you know, I, I think the product was pretty good, but I also like the way we sound, so that goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, if you're digging it, that's awesome. Uh, have you put it somewhere where everybody can listen to it, or is it just uh, a handful of people who've got to hear it so far? I don't know. Mark, you had it last. Did it ever go anywhere, or we put it in the funeral service the other day, so it was... It was the opening song. It's what they played when Mom walked in. Um, but I don't know that we've got it published to SoundCloud or anything like that. We can get you a track of it if you want it. Absolutely. Um, I would love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's fantastic. So are, you, are, are any of you guys in Fairview still, or have you uh, spread it out through Middle Tennessee and, and surrounding areas? Yeah. Well, I'll, I live in Bellevue, which is, you know, 15 minutes away from from the house there in Fairview where we grew up. But uh, John and Micah, they're, they're both in Fairview. Nice. Josh, my, my dad built my house. We bought six acres in 2017 and started um, to break ground that same year, and he finished my house a year and a half ago. So wow. That's awesome. My, my place that I'm in right now is it's kind of our dream home it's nothing big it's nothing fancy in fact it's a country cottage but it's got his fingerprints all over it it's gorgeous it's hickory floors and mantelpieces and lots of stone and kind of a country farmhouse look out in the woods um about six miles from where mom and dad's house is where we grew up yeah hey that's awesome man that is fantastic isn't that cool? Yeah, so there's I see I see his legacy, I see his gifts, I see his hard work on display the minute I open my eyes every morning. And it's always something different that catches my eye. You know, here in the last day or so I've just really been looking at a stone chimney. Our house has a gas fireplace because he wouldn't put a wood burning stove in it and I've told him I wanted wood burning and he said the house would smell like smoke and I said, Yeah, that's the point and he never would do it. <laughs> and so when he took the wood the wood burning fireplace out and put a gas burning, he got rid of the chimney. And I, I said, no, I, I like the way the chimney looks. He goes, well, you don't have a wood stove. You don't need a chimney. And I said, well, that's your fault, not mine. And I want the <laughs> chimney. And so he very begrudgingly went ahead and put a chimney on this house, and it gives it so much character. So I've been I've been just looking at that and thinking about how you know, Dad fought for what he wanted, but in the end, if he cared for you like he did all of us so much, he would let us he would let us have what it was that that we wanted. And um, when I when I've been thinking about Dad, and when I wrote down or I guess said some words of prayer in his service, it just reminds me that um, he gave us a good life. He gave us a good life up until the minute that. He, um, his heart started having all the failures, and um, a lot of people don't can't say that about their dad, but we can certainly say that to dad. And in the final moments of talking to him, Mark was good enough to take a phone into the room with him because I couldn't go in. I, I just over and over told dad how thankful I was that he gave me the best life I could imagine. Uh, yeah. He gave me everything and more. He put 
three boys through private Christian college and never received a degree on his own. He made it to where mom could stay home with us when we were growing up. He coached, he taught, he took us to church, he bailed hay with us, he fixed fence with us, he took Lee hunting and fishing, uh, he took Micah hunting and fishing. He took all over Middle Tennessee, you know, to lead singing in just about every country church. Um, and he was—he didn't just drop us off anytime, anywhere. He was there for us. And, um, I can remember Mark marching band trumpet his high school years, and Dad was a football guy. Loved football, and to think Mark Sullivan's sons would be first-line trumpets and taking solos to. You know, somewhere over the rainbow and thinking that my dad would be proud of that. He was cheering just like it was a touchdown at a band competition in you know, Vanderbilt University Field. Like that's that's how he was. He he didn't have to have he had to have his way a lot, but when he didn't have it his way he really got behind his family and it brought us a lot of joy and success. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he taught us he taught us how to work too. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, when we were he 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 owned his own business building homes like like John said and um, when when we weren't in school growing up uh, we were working we were we were on his job sites and starting out it may have been something as simple as uh, picking up trash or or you know cleaning out a ditch or something like that but uh, he eventually got us to the point where he could trust us to lay this room of hardwood. Uh, or, you know, trim out an entire house, um, you know, stuff stuff like that where he, he just said, here, this is this is what I need done. Now, he'd tell us how he wanted it done because, we, you know, we still had to do it his way. But yeah. he, he, he taught us from the very, very basics how to work and um, how to show up on time. You know, there there is no there is no late. Late is not an option. And taking a day off of work just because I don't feel like going to work today, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that doesn't happen. My 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 boss my boss where I work, you know, for for, for my my family company, but my boss is my sister in law, and she, you know, she she has to to tell me to take days off work because you just you just work. That's just you know, it's it, yeah. if it's Monday through Friday you you work you know, and Saturdays and Sundays, just because you're not on a job site doesn't mean you're not working, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. You don't have that option. So yeah, Keep you know, on, I, have right. a, I have a funny story to tell you. This one hasn't been told much this week or at all. So I'm not I'm not sure. So during the summers, me and Mark would would work with Dad two, three, four days a week, sometime every day. He was good to us while we were young, not to make us work every day of the week when we were we were that young. But, um, you know, it was odd that two seven, eight-year-olds, eight, nine-year-olds, eight, nine 19-year-olds, different ages that we were, it was odd that we, you know, we were doing that. And, you know, we were still boys. We were still mischievous. And growing up, there's a funny story, the veterinarian in Fairview's name is Dr. Anderson. He, Dad was building, Dad built his uh, veterinary clinic, but he also, back behind it, built uh, Dr. Anderson's home. And um, Mark and I were early middle school, late elementary. We were young on a job site, and he let us do what we were supposed to do. We were cleaning and scrapping out the house and outside the house that day. And... Um, so we got bored with it, and we we went and found that someone had left a bunch of pet up packages from Hardee's, or I think Hardee's is all that was in town then on the job site. And so we, we got two blocks of wood that we could manage and kind of pivoted them together, raised them up, and put a ketchup packet between them, and we slapped together and shoot them like, like guns, like each other. And so we both had ketchup packages and blocks chasing each other around the yard, shooting each other. And <laughs> we we got acid ketchup, you know, all over Dr. Anderson's house uh, after they had done the sheetrock. And Dad came after us and let us have it for messing all that up. And we're not talking about three or four. I mean, we did this for an hour. Yeah. And we got ketchup 
everywhere, just shooting across, and we were covered in it. And well, uh, John, if you remember, there was a big pile of um, drywall, full sheets that, that were in the floor. Um, you know, just just a, a stack of drywall sheets, and we lifted up three or four of the sheets and placed the ketchup packets all the way across the lip, and then one, yeah. two, three, and slammed them down, and it, you know, it just yeah. got the ketchup all over the wall, yeah. it just been hung, just been finished, and the vinegar in that ketchup, I mean, it it, it ate through that drywall. Oh my god! Yeah. It was. He was not happy about that, but he no. laughed about it now. I mean, last several years we laughed about just how. I mean, what do you expect from taking two early middle school boys to work every day during the summer? And you know, we we found a lot to keep us entertained. We could turn anything <laughs> into a bomb. Um, <laughs> there, there's so much flammable stuff on a on a job site, anyways, uh, and we would find some sort of a container to throw it in. There's always a fire. There was always yeah. a fire growing up, you know. So uh, I remember one day we had thrown something into the fire and it didn't blow up, and we didn't think anything about it. We went back and we were starting to uh, to, to to build a deck, and we heard something explode, and a big piece of metal just comes right past my uh, my head, and and lodges into the side of the house where we were building. I mean, it was it was probably four to six inches as it zoomed past the head. Wow. Um, that dad was right there and he said, Well, boys, I guess we're not gonna be doing that anymore. Yeah, I get that. Sorry, he was right. <laughs> we did. Man. We Man. did do it some more, but we told him we didn't. So Yeah. That's awesome. Man, you know what, I just uh, you know reminiscing about all this stuff is just great and you know, it's 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 a, a, a tribute to your to your dad. Like I said, I haven't seen him in years, but I can see him right now and visualize him. I and mean, all the stuff you guys are talking about, he just he was such a great man. Whenever he was in your life, whether it was you know several years back or, or just recently, he always had an impact because I, you know, like you said, uh, he uh, he might have been uh, stern or needed his way or what, but he just it, just something about it. He was always great and he was always kind and and he wouldn't. He would talk to you and just specifically talk to you and make you feel like you were important. And I him. always just love that about that, him. Yeah. That was him through and through. Yeah. He treated people like people, uh, even even children. He didn't treat he didn't talk to kids like they were three and four years old. He talked to three and four year olds like they were people. Yeah. And he talked to teenagers like they were people. And he talked and, and he. He expected he expected teenagers to act like adults. He expected me and John and Micah to act like adults, um, you know, from pretty much the time we were five, six years old. Um, but he talked to us like we were adults. He gave us he gave us adult things to to, to consider and, and responsibilities and, um, and and even even today, you know, he 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 was working with with the youth group until just a few years ago. But he he treated the kids like adults. He talked to them like adults. He expect he had the expectations, uh, not not any less because they were younger. You know, he he expected them to to act like decent people. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing I remember. Like he would he would he would he would treat you like a person. He wouldn't treat you. Or he wouldn't undermine you or anything. He would just talk to you straightforward. And that was I always really liked that. That was cool. On the one-year anniversary of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast, this man truly needs no introduction. He was the architect of my childhood. We are discussing and celebrating 30 years of the release of the very first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. My hero, I'm proud to call him my friend, and all-around great human being, Mr. Kevin Eastman, is in the house, or on the phone, on the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast, talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cowabunga, heroes in a half shell, turtle power. Let's get it on. Yeah. Hey, Kevin. How you doing, mate? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Happy Tuesday to you. Happy Tuesday, and uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to speak with me. I've uh, been excited all day. Uh, hardly slept last night, just like I was going to the store to get a new toy, a new Ninja Turtle toy, that is. 
<laughs> oh, bless you. That's awesome. I appreciate the sentiment. That's, yep. Uh, much uh, appreciated. You know, Thank you. Yep. 37 years old and, and, and still uh, rocking Cowabunga. Uh, I guess I'll be in it for life, just like you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't have such a great job if I didn't have fans like you, so I really yeah. appreciate you, my friend. Well, thank you. Okay, let's let's get to it. I know you've had a long day. First of all, it it was so, it gave me nostalgia and made me really feel my age when I, you know TMNT the movie is turning 30 or has turned 30. I remember exactly where I was opening day when I saw it. Um, I, I mean, you've been doing some cool things with it. I mean, and how do you feel about that? It's still resonating uh, just as true today as it did back then. You know, it's just it's um, the whole experience. You know, not only the the creation and the success of the original comic book, which led to you know the, the 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 cartoon show and the and the toys and all that really wonderful just absolute coolness. Um, but when the movie came along, that was really the the icing on the cake, I guess, for lack of a better term. And just that, you know, we were scared going into it in that, um, you know, if we couldn't tell the right kind of story or have the right look for the turtles, if they looked like guys in rubber suits and people didn't buy into the the, the whole suspension of reality and buy into the whole uh, fictional story of the turtles, then we lost, um, you know, right out of the starting gate. So having Jim Henson come in and do that magic that he does oh so well and bring our characters to life and then directed by such a talented guy, um, Steve Barron, and then with a absolutely beautiful script by Todd Langdon, who, you know, together him and Steve crafted and shaped um, a lot of the ideas and some of the original comic books that Pete and I did. So it was a... I call it quite simply a perfect storm that, um, you know, could not be more thrilled that it still holds up today after, you know, 30 years. What a, what a gift, man, you know? Yeah, it, it was. And it, like I said, I, I remember where I was at. My dad took me. I had on a Ninja Turtle shirt. For some reason, I thought it would be cool to wear a brown fedora. Uh, <laughs> I remember how I felt when Raphael Love got... <laughs> I, I remember how I felt when Raphael got sideswiped by all the foot at one time. It's just, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday, and um, yeah, like I said, and then the turtle, the, the storyline, everything was perfect. The, the, their mouth movement, it was like they were real beings. They just, you know, it was it was everything, and, and I'm so glad that, you know, we're still talking about it today. Congratulations to you, and thank you for such a gift you've bestowed upon the world, because I've been fortunate enough to speak to you a few times now, and every time I forget that I'm a full-grown man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I'm I'm a big kid. I'm a big kid trapped in a you know 58 year old body too. So we're 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 in good company with each other. So no worries. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And then and then their birthday's coming up too. That they're turning 36. Or uh, when when is the official day that they turn 36? Or is it already came? Well, we we kind of based it on um, the original comic book premiered in uh, uh, you know May 5th. Um, May 5th, uh, 1984, that's when we premiered at, at that comic book convention in uh, Forces, New Hampshire. So it's just a little bit past that, um, but it's, yeah, we, we count that date as the the official anniversary of uh, of the, the launch of the turtle. So it's, um, yeah, we're still within, we're still within a month of their birthday of their anniversary, but it is the 36th anniversary year. So it's like, we'll, we'll take the celebration all year for sure. That's right. Are you going to do it, Dave? I saw you got like a, that comic book bundle, which looks awesome. I'm going to look into that here in a little bit, but uh, anything else you're going to be doing to uh, celebrate the uh, the anniversary of the milestone? Well, it's a number of things we did. We wanted to, like one of the things we did earlier this year on the, you know, March uh, 30th is, you know, when the first movie originally launched back in the day, back in 1990. So we did a watch TMNT with me um, uh, pizza party, watch party. So yep. um, I just, you know, sat with the fans and we watched it live and I told funny stories and anecdotes or I hope they were and then uh that was received <laughs> so well we we just did um uh, uh did a watch team and tea with me for the secret of the ooze and I had the wonderful and talented uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. who was you know we all know as Kino was he was Kino in the movie so he joined us for the watch party um <laughs> for that which was a blast that's awesome I think yeah. this year we're going to do we're going to do more of those kind of things because we feel like you know we were kind of all hunker down and trying to be safe and do the right thing and protect our loved ones. So the more free sort of events that we can come hang out with you guys, you can come hang out with us. It's just a, a good reason to stay home and be safe and, 
and I, I have so much fun doing it, and, and uh, um, I appreciate you know the, all the fans that do join those those kind of events and hang out with me. Yeah, and then of course uh, I can't draw very well, but I surely appreciated all the uh, Ninja Turtle masks that, that I just saw on your page. Just everybody's just they brought something so awesome to the table. It was really fascinating uh, checking out you know people's contributions to that. I, I love that idea. So uh, thank you for uh, you know making that possible. Absolute pleasure. You know, like we. We have the best fans and the best support team in the world, and so we're grateful to every one of you. And and uh, you know, got to give something back to all the love and the support you guys have given us all the years. So it's our it's our pleasure, sincerely. Yeah. Um, uh, a question for you, I kind of wanted to throw out there because of the times. I noticed uh, you, along as well as myself and several others, uh, participated in Blackout Tuesday today. Unfortunately, the country is going through a rough, rough patch right now. Um, you know, I know the turtles. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they always had to keep secret and everything, but did you ever as a writer or as an artist, because um, I, I was trying to think back, did you ever deal with discrimination within the Turtle family or, or any anybody, uh, you know, any, any of the villains or anything? Well, you know, we never, it was one of those, um, we never touched on it per se, other than just the the idea of sort of, um, you know, it, it it was based on so many passionate and um, uh, creative inspirations from when we were kids that we sort of wanted to keep it like, you know, Peter Parker, for example, was, you know, he was a, a high school student. He was a teenager, but he was also Spider-Man. And so he sort of had to, you know, with great power, overcome his great responsibility. So he had to sort of keep that secret while he was sort of trying to maintain a, 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 a social life or a high school life, if you will, while he's still, you know, fighting some of the most evil villains in the world. So we, we sort of wanted to take that approach to our characters that they really, the world wouldn't understand them, you know, as mutant ninja turtles running around the streets of New York or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So it was just sort of like they, they just wanted to be teenagers and they just wanted to be kids. And it's hard enough to be a teenager or, or you know, middle school or um, uh, high school as it is. Um, and you throw, throw that into the, into the mix. But, um, you know, discrimination was never an issue that we felt that, you know, um, with characters that we had, um, you know, throughout the turtle history have all been, you know, multiple race, creed, color, um, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, united colors of Bendleton, if you will, sort of smorgasbord of not only, um, human, you know, basic human beings, human characters, but also the, you know, you throw in mutants into the mix and that's, that's kind of a, a thing. And I think what I love so much about the turtles is that, um, because they were green mutant characters that they didn't alienate anybody of any race. Um, yeah. So, you know, any, anybody could imagine they were Donatello or Michelangelo or whatever. So that's the blessing of, I think of having characters that were, you know, not race exclusive, but they sort of really opened it up to um, um, everybody. And, and that's, that's uh, what a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. I agree because, uh, you know, uh, when, when you have a love for a turtle, like, you know, whether watching a movie in a crowd or going to a comic convention, uh, like you said, there there's no there's no barriers there. There's no um, you know looking out every every race, creed, color, whatever. We all have a place. We can all agree. Uh, we've all got a favorite turtle, and you know <laughs> we all can you know agree on something like that. So it is. It's just a truly amazing thing. I was just curious, like I said, with the times, and and I really like what you posted on your page about you know families hurting and. Well, I mean, I like the message, I should say, and uh, just uh, kind of thought, well, I might throw that in there just to ask out of curiosity. Well, no, it, it is, because it is, um, you know, um, and I appreciate you asking, and it is one of those things that when, you know, when you look at how much we've, would like to see how much we've grown as a, as a, as a people and a, you know, um, as a planet and a, and a one, you know, where the, the planet, the world gets smaller as, you know, our ability to, you know, somebody could be listening to this on the other side of the planet. And, you know, uh, so it's, it's made the world a bit smaller that we all share and, and embrace the same kind of feelings. And we want to, you know, want to protect it and do the right thing and keep our planet safe and keep our friends safe and our family safe. And that, so it's sort of when something like this that we're going through right now, it's just heartbreaking for everybody because it really is because um, there's, you know, um, uh, it's it's uh, I thought we'd grown more and we understood more, but um, if you you could never stop learning because if you stop learning, that's when you start failing. And you got to yeah. keep an open mind and keep uh, 
keep looking ahead. I agree, uh, but I, yeah, I just uh, I really like what you wrote because I'm with you. I mean, uh, I try my best to love everybody with a whole heart, and I just I don't like when people hurt, and uh, it's just it's just a really rough time. Um, but we'll uh, we'll sway from that and talk about something really happy. I'm beyond excited, and I'm sure yeah, this has been brought up a lot, but. But the last Ronin, oh my gosh, what a what a gift this is going to be to the world! Um, can we talk a little bit about that? Uh, a release date and, and just whatever you're willing to share. Of course, now I'm glad because the last Ronin was one of those great gifts that came from you know I'm, I I pretty much save every scrap of paper um, ever you know I've got drawings when I was you know six seven years old that my mother saved and you know, certainly all things turtles and so about ten years ago when I discovered a uh, rediscovered a story that Pete and I wrote back in 1987 um, about the turtles uh, set 30 years in the future. Um, you know, it was just one of those things that as Tom and it was a perfect timing in that Tom and I were coming off um, 100 issues of the ongoing series of the turtles and we wanted to do the next evolution. So we looked at this original idea and said, well, let's update it, set it roughly 20 years in the future. Um, pay homage and respect to what, you know, Peter and I put in that story originally, but adapt it in a way that makes sense um, with respect to the original material. So it's, it's all there and we've, Tom and I have taken it further and um, it's just been a, you know, a dicey start to the year, as you know, with the virus sort of changing um, quite a bit of our industry and sort of a lot of setbacks and, you know, we're trying to support our comic book stores and uh, our fans are out there that, um, you know, the, you know, don't have jobs to buy the comic books that we all love. And, and so we sort of were waiting to get some better sense of normalcy, but we're eyeballing August as a release date of the first issue. And it's going to be five issues, 40 pages per issue. Um, so it's a big, meaty, 200-page epic story that will um, come out bi-monthly for, well, good good part of the next year. So we're we're, we'd like to get it out as soon as possible, but then again, it's like we want to make it, um, you know, yeah. something that we can all share. And once um, once we're all feeling a bit better, and, and uh, sure, I understand. Make make it available. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, 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 could you tell who which turtle it is, or are you keeping that to yourself? Oh yeah, it's a secret world. It's um, you'll know people will know who the last one is by the end of the first issue. <laughs> um, but we, yeah, we definitely keep, we'll keep, we're keeping that under wraps because we want to, uh, you know, keep everybody in suspense because there's a lot that, you know, the, the intricacies that Tom and I worked out for the series, um, the reveals of different, you know, things and characters and plots as they all intertwine. It's like, you know, each issue just about when you think you sort of know where it's going, you know, sort of here, there, and where it's pointed that way, we want to continue to surprise you with, you know, important and dramatic, you know, plot innovations that sort of keep it exciting and keep you sort of on the edge of your seat all the way through the, the end of the series. But, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll keep it a secret for the moment. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll know soon, all know soon enough. Yeah, I, I don't blame you one bit. It's just it's so exciting, and you know, reading on, on the web and everything, and seeing some of the artwork, which is uh, beautiful, by the way, um, remarkably. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's he's holding all the weapons. So I'm like, oh, of course he is. He's got he's got see the staff and the sword and the thigh, and I'm like, man, what well, this is going to be a brilliant piece of work. I, I can't wait. And um, just thank you, thank you for doing that. It's just uh, you know, it's going to be great. On this, the one-year anniversary of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast, 52 episodes and going strong, we have got the legend, the man, the myth, very much still alive, even though they discredited him uh, on social media as well as on the internet and everywhere else. Uncle Cy Robertson uh, from the hit music group Cy and the Psychotics, the television program Duck Dynasty, uh, great interview. Thanks to uh, the church comedian Brandon Skelton for uh, getting on board with me for this one. I really enjoy talking to Uncle Cy. Been a big fan of his and his family for a long, long time. Uh, it's really fun to chat with. So here we go. Uncle Cy, Josh Belcher, Uncharted Podcast. Uncle Cy. Yes, sir. It's Josh and Brandon. You got time to talk to us for a little bit on a podcast? Yeah, hold on a minute. Let me put some pants on. 
Uncharted in Nashville. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. No problem, man. My pleasure. All right. Uh, well, Brandon was going to kick us off. He was going to ask you some questions and tell you some cool stuff. Go ahead, Brandon. Hey, Uncle Si. Um, I was just going to start off here, one, just letting you know I'm, I'm a pastor, so definitely appreciate uh, you and, and this you stand for faith and, and, and definitely the influence that you guys have. And uh, personal stories. I appreciate it. Oh yes, sir. Um, I've got a I've got a family member. He's a big outdoorsman and was a big fan of y'all's show and watching it. And had never been a believer, but once he started watching you guys and y'all living it out and uh, what have you, it had an impact on him and helped him make that decision to be a, a Christ follower. So I wanted to personally thank you for that, sir. Hey, my pleasure, man. Yeah, and we also want to thank you for your service. We you know Memorial Day just happened, and we appreciate everything you did for for our country. So thank you for that as well. Appreciate that, too. Yeah, we just want to know, uh, you know, uh, we really liking your music. We cover a lot of music here on the podcast. Um, what, are you, what are you doing here during the quarantine? Are you practicing getting ready for some shows? What's going on with Sign the Psychotic? Well, we was on schedule for Cheyenne on Frontier Day, but I just got word that that's been canceled because of the pandemic. Uh-oh. So, uh, yeah, so I, I really don't know what what's in store for anyone in the music industry anymore, you know, because, you know, because of this mess. Yes, sir. So that that was going to be when your tour is going to kick off in Cheyenne because uh, me and Brandon were talking about we're excited. We want to see you come back to Nashville and perform. You've been here a few times, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, actually the story of our band getting together is, is pretty, pretty neat, really, because uh, I met Bridget Tatum in Loser's parking lot. I was doing some uh, a charity event for the first responders and for veterans. She already had a ticket to go home. It was right, right around Thanksgiving. So she was going to go home to South Carolina, had the ticket and everything, paid for it and all this, and, and a lady called her up and said, hey, uh, you know, Bridget, we want you to meet this uh you know, a charity event, you know, and Bridget told the woman, said to her, Don, uh, I've already got a plane ticket to go home for Thanksgiving, so no, I'm not going to make it. She said, well, Jordan, just think about it. So she called us back about two or three days later and asked her again, and Bridget, when she's having a, a problem deciding what to do, she called her best friend, who is Leah, and she called her love, so she calls Love up and says, Don, I got a problem. You know, I don't know what to do. So, you know, what do you think I should do? You know, so Leah, Leah told her, said, well, you know me. Every time you get me in a bind, I got to give you an answer for something. I got to talk to the Lord about it and see what he says about it. So she prayed that night, and she told Bridget the next day, said, well, darling, I hate to tell you this. You're not going to like what I'm going to tell you. There's some reason you're supposed to be there. So she cancels the ticket, you know, loses money on it, and makes the event and meets me and Marsha. And then that's how, that's how the Uncle Sign and the Psychotics were born. You know, it was a God thing. Okay, he put us together. And, and all it is is we have a real good time cutting up on stage, singing and clowning around. And, uh, and then if anybody's interested, if you're around me or Bridget or Marsha at any length of time, Jesus is going to come up and we're going to tell you about him. Right. So that's that's how the Uncle Simon the Psychotics actually happened is Jesus put us together. Yes, sir. Well, hey, uh, speaking of Bridget, I had uh, saw that she was supposed to do a rumble on the road, a, like a boxing match fundraiser in March. Did they get to have that or is that a rescheduled event? No, I think they actually got I think she actually fought, I believe. <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't know nothing about it. I wouldn't want to find her, uh, fight her. I've always told, you know, Ben, I said, boys, here's the deal. I'd rather fight 10, 10 men 
that one woman. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, I said hey, look here. You know, you fight ten men, we box and knock each other down all that, bust some teeth, you know, bloody some lift and all that. And then later we'll get up and shake hands and become best friends. I said, that ain't what's over the woman. You know, if she's mad, she'll kill you. She'll shoot you six times. And then the, the law will say, well, what you shoot him six times for, ma'am? Tell me, Roddy may be mad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, and I, and so I ain't gonna fight with no woman. They're yeah. too dangerous. <laughs> I hear you. That's, that's great advice. I, I try to keep that true to my life as well. I know Brandon does. Um, well, I, I know that you were the third member of ZZ Top there at the last uh, Duck Dynasty show. Uh, did you always inspire to play music uh, throughout your life, or just because of this group here? Well, no, I, not really. I've always loved music, you know, all kinds of music, you know. And uh, my heroes are like George Jones, Merle Haggard, Johnny Cash, you know, old school, you know. Because right now, in my humble opinion, you know, we're lacking, you know, in, in, in the music industry. You know, there's a lot of talent out there. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of talent out there. But they just, you know, you know, it's hard to come up with anything original. Uh huh. Yes, sir. And all you know, music, uh, Go ahead. I say all your music's original, isn't it? You guys write it yourselves. Oh, what are you talking about? Look, you know, one, one uh, for one of them songs that's seen on TV. Uh huh. You know. The musicians started playing, and Bridget just tapped me on the shoulder and said, Okay, you're up, big boy. Take it. <laughs> you know? And I said, What do you mean? She said, Tell your story. So, look, I just made that mess up out of my head. Oh, wow. Right there on the spot, you know, and we did it. You know, the engineer's over there doing everything he's supposed to be doing. You know, and I looked at him and Bridget over there talking, you know, after I finished, and he said, she said, he just made that up, you know. And then <laughs> yeah, said, no. And, and Bridget said, oh, yeah, yeah, he did. He just made that up. Uh-huh. And he said, Bridget, that's really scary. He said, because that's actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened during our six-song EP when we made them. You know, I, I would sing it, and then we'd listen to it. You know, and I said, I don't know about this guy. So what are you talking about? I said, uh, you know, I just, that's me singing, and, and you know, and it, it actually sounds pretty good. I said, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was listening to you sung Throwback Man on the drive over, and uh, I guess it is true you don't carry a cell phone either, correct? Hey, look here. I bought two of them, okay? And, like, when I was in the military, I spent, you know, 24 years and a half in the military, computers would run them up with me. Well, phones do the same thing. Look, every time I come to Nashville, I'm lucky that people know me because, you know, I'm at, I'm landed, you know, waiting on Bridget to pick me up. I don't have a cell phone because it won't work. You know, so I have one on me, and uh, I tried to call her, and, of course, it wouldn't work. So a fan come up and said, oh, can I, would you take a picture with me? And I said, I will, darling. I'll, I'll make a trade with you. And they, they said, what? I said, if you'll call this number, and I had that on my phone. I said, if you'll call this number. She said, well, why don't you call it yourself? I said, darling, I wouldn't be asking you if I could get it, you know, could get it on my phone. I said, it won't work. She said, give me the phone. So she tried to use my phone. Well, it don't work. And, you know, I'm laughing. And she said, I said, now will you call her on your phone? <laughs> so she said, yeah, let me call. So she calls the number. Bridget answered it. She said, I was looking at, you know, my identification, and I don't know his phone number. She said, but I guarantee you that's bound to be him calling. So she answered, and I said, hey, I'm on another person's phone. You know, I'm at the airport in Atlanta. She said, I'm on my way. I'll be there about five minutes. And the lady just said, what is it with your phones? And I said, they won't work. She said, well, son, you can't go out in the world, you know, without a phone so people get in touch with you. And I said, yeah, Kim. I said, because I'm lucky. People come up and say, Uncle Ty, can I have a picture with you? And I said, if you'll do me a favor and call a phone number for you. <laughs> so that's how I get around, you know, 
Bridget always heard Marshall Bowles. Whenever a strange phone number comes up on their caller ID, they answer and says, yeah, okay, we'll come get you. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds like a new uh, rendition of a Me Again Margaret almost, a new version of it. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, phones will not work with me. I bought two of them, and I ain't buying no more because they ain't going to work either. And they just got too expensive. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, you know, stick with what works, what you're accustomed to. Well, speaking of phones and technology, you guys are pretty active on that Facebook doing some live weekly updates. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Do you participate in those? Well, not a whole bunch, but here lately I've got, got on it. I did a thing for Memorial Day, and I just kind of gave them my version of what Memorial Day is. You know, and some of the guys that actually seen it said, man, I watched it those days. That was really good. So, you know, but I just, you know, the reason I even got into it was I, I, I love people, and I love having a good time. I like to have fun. You know, if you invite me to something and you say fun's out, well, hey, I'll call you back and say, hey, I'm out too. I ain't showing up. If I can't have fun, I ain't going to do it. Yes, sir. So that's how that's how I got into music is I love love people and I love having a good time and I didn't even know you know people lasted well uh, you know all my life my teachers had told me well you need to find what you're good at and then do it you know well at the time I was 65 somebody asked me that question and I said well I'm 65 years old and I, I ain't found nothing I'm good at <laughs> well God Dynasty rolls along. And the fans tell me what I'm good at. I make people laugh. So, hey, I, I ran with it. Yeah, you've, uh, and you've, that's you've, why I am on my music. You know, cause, uh -huh. you know, we got rubber ducks. I come out in a straight jacket and, you know, all this stuff that we carry on. Bridget and Marshall are always pulling pranks on me on stage. You know, emptying a bucket of water on me or shooting me with a water gun or whatever they, they come up with. Just to have a good time, and and the people that are there have a good time. Uh -huh. So so far it's worked out. Yes, sir. Um, well, speaking of that, the music in the album. If somebody wants to get a hold of that uh, that EP you got, where do they go about getting it at? I know you can go on iTunes, but do you have a website where you can get a physical copy? Yes, they go to Uncle Sign of Psychotics. They can order it. Or if you go to iTunes, you can order it also. Good deal. That's awesome. You know what? Uh, our Facebook, our Instagram, I think, uh, any of them that, you know, I ain't computer, I'm illiterate in the computer world, you know, but if you go to Instagram and Facebook and all that, they, they find somewhere to get from. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, uh, I'm sorry, I want to say something. I've, I've been listening to your book, uh, Sirenity, and uh, definitely enjoying that. And I tell you, the, the story about the young man that was 10 years old that y'all prayed with uh, and was, was healed of cancer, and y'all got the same two years later. Uh, just kind of wondering uh, if you've got another book lined up. I think that one came out a couple years back, if there's another one in the making. Well, what? no, not, I, I actually wrote two. Uh, uh, Brain Dead. Serenity was one, and then uh, Psychology 101. And when I just scratched out the old one and said, hey, keep this for rednecks, make it simple. One. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. but anyway, uh, when, I, when the show was real big, that dynasty, they'd ask me, uh, Oxide, what is, uh, you know, you're a big TV star and all this now. What was the most important thing you learned, you know, from becoming a celebrity? And I always tell them, I said, hey, the most important thing was, uh, if I was to, if you had asked me before the show about my faith, I said, well, I'd have to use Jello to describe it because I was kind of shaky. I had a lot of doubt about things. I said, now let me tell you what the most important thing the show did was. It actually solidified, okay, my faith in God Almighty. I said because it didn't happen just to one of the family. It happened to everyone in the Robertson family, men, women, wives, uh, kids, all of us, okay? The first time it happened, we didn't know what to do with it. Make-A-Wish Foundation showed up with some kids. These kids ranged anywhere from, you know, uh, infants 
to teenagers. Well, they and they had been uh, diagnosed with stage four cancer. They're on their way out. Well, the first time it happened to us, we didn't know how to handle it. Then we started getting into it more and more as we become more and more famous with the show. We'd film more often, and every member of the family had met someone that was dying of cancer. They recruit, you know, set a prayer for him, you know, ask the Almighty to heal him, and all of a sudden he just looked down and said, "Yes, the answer is yes today." Bam, it's gone. The doctors are scratching the head. They're telling the uh, uh, X-ray technician, "Your film's no good. Do it again. Run it again. Run it again. Run it again." Then technician said, "No, there ain't nothing wrong with film, doc. He don't have any cancer anymore. She don't have any cancer." So that was what the show did for me. Right. It. I watched God take a bunch of bearded men and and kids. He used us to do what he wanted wanted done, okay? And it was just it was a it was an amazing thing just to be involved and be a part of it, okay? To watch him work because I always tell people, look, folks, I get up and brush my teeth, comb my hair, you know, wash my face and all this before I go out. I said it would take divine intervention to make what I'm looking at in the mirror a TV star. You know, so that's what Duck Dynasty did for me and the music world. You know, it just it saw, uh, solidified my faith that, hey, God is there. He is who he says he is. He's done what he said he'd done and can do, and is still doing it. You know, that's like people always tell me, well, give me some words of encouragement during this pandemic. I said, well, here's my words of encouragement. Quit worrying. Okay, God's still in charge of this. He created all this, including us. He's still in charge of it. He's still running. His power is still making everything work. So, hey, we'll get back to normal. It might take a little longer than everybody wants to, to take. But, hey, things will settle back down, and we'll go back to normal and begin you know, doing what we always do. Mm-hmm. Okay? And God's going to always do what he always does. He's going to take care of his people. Yes, sir. Well, hey, I've, I've got I've got one question for you now. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it to Josh. He might have one or two left for you as well. Um, but I, when I was listening to you book there, you was talking about how you guys get the opportunity to baptize folks right there in front of Uncle Phil's house. Do y'all still have folks showing up and uh, getting that opportunity to share faith and baptize them right there on the property? Oh yeah, hey, that ain't that ain't any day that goes by that. He'll bury somebody down there in the Washtenaw River, right by his house in Cypress Creek. That thing full is full of dead men and dead women's bones. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, and look, and he's got he had to put up a gate, so they got they got to call him and get him on the phone for he he tell him to come on in, you know. But he's still sharing the gospel with them, and of course, you know, the whole family's still doing that. And whenever I'm out, I actually do it too. And uh, I was I was at a casino playing poker. They had asked me to come up there and speak to them or something. And I was playing poker too, and uh, you know, and I shared the gospel with them. And everybody, my buddy said, "Man, what are you doing? Uh, you know, in a casino sharing the gospel?" And I said, "Well, that may be the only place that people hear hear the gospel." Yeah, amen. You know? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, so it's just one of the things. Wherever I'm at, you know, if, if I'm around you very long, you know, I'm gonna tell you about Jesus because it's important to know about it. Know about who he is, what he's done, and what he will do in the future first. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, speaking of speaking of that, um, and, and testimonies and everything, uh, Brandon put up a survey on his website about questions to ask you, and uh, the one that kept popping up was. Uh, how did you feel about all these people saying you died on the internet? How'd you handle that? <laughs> you know, I look, that's the serious thing, you know. I had to get on Facebook and say, Okay, look, I'm back, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I ain't died. <laughs> you know? yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, you know it, I don't know why. It's just I guess it's a a celebrity curse. Every once in a while somebody's gotta post something, you know, and shake everybody up. 
You know, because I had one buddy, you know, he uh, he called one of my other buddies and said, man, you know, he, he was crying on the phone. He said, I didn't know, I didn't even know he was sick. You know, another guy said, hey, you idiot, he's not dead. I was just over at his house. You know, he said, really? He said, really? He said, that posted it all over Facebook, he died. And he said, you can't listen to none of that junk, son. He said, he's, well, he's alive and well. Don't worry about it, you know. Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, but I don't know what the deal is on that. I, and once in a while, I get on there and say, I'll do it again. And I'll have to get on there and say, hey, look, you know, that rumor about me dead, now I'm still alive and kicking. All right. Well, you know, that is a status symbol. I mean, you know you've arrived whenever Facebook tells the world you died, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, right. I, I've got a question for you, Uncle Si. Um, just, yes, yes is, sir. Who is Jack? Uh, I mean, who who has inspired this, this Hey Jack? Well, I've actually met some kids, okay, that their name was Jack. I said, hey, you the clown I've been talking about all this time, and I finally got to meet you. <laughs> well, you've been, been hiding. Yeah, and they get a kick out of it. Yeah, As a matter of fact, I want uh, Philip, my handler, you know, uh, wanted me to wish a kid's birthday, happy birthday the other day, and his name was Jack. Mm-hmm. And I said, Jack, I've been talking about you all my life, son. Where you been hiding? <laughs> you know, and he got giggling, him and his sister got to giggling, we had a big time, you know, and I wished him happy birthday. But hey, we thought about that, and that question was come up, and look, I don't know where that started. <laughs> it started in whatever it did, however it started, it caught on. Because every time I meet one of my fans, they said, hey, can you just say, hey, Jack, one time? <laughs> you know, and I said, have you all got tired of that by now? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. That's definitely the trademark. Well, Uncle Si, God bless you, and thank you for everything. Uh, we've loved you so much for years. You're like a member of our family, and when you get to Nashville, we'll uh, take a picture with you and let you use our phone, okay? All right, man. Hey. No, hey, that's one thing I'll say about Nashville. You know, a lot of people say, we're not any friendly. Yeah, they are. Nashville's friendly, okay, except the musicians and singers. They might be a little hard on them. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right. Well, hey, thank you for talking to us. We really appreciate you. Hey, my my pleasure, my man. Hey, y'all be safe. You know, social distancing, that helps, right? So everybody be safe, y'all, and hey, we'll all get through this. And that wraps up episode... 52 one year in the book the josh belcher uncharted podcast it's been a blast talked to a lot of awesome people very grateful for you the listeners for listening and just uh let's keep doing it it's been a blast um i want you to know that if you know anybody you think would be a great guest have them hit me up always josh belcher at hotmail.com and remember i love you for you and where you're at in life thanks for sticking around with me 52 weeks of Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. We're growing. Uh, We're headed up and uh, no looking back. So thanks for hanging out with me and let's continue to do this. If you keep listening to them, I'm going to keep making them. Peace be with you. God bless you. And we'll catch you next week like we always do on Sundays.